you have to lead with education. Um, a lot of times you don't want to be the first one doing that because it's very expensive to educate a market. Um, but when you're releasing a new product, um, whether that's just cannabis being sold in, in your state or your country for the first time, yeah. or it's a new cannabis product, you know, it's a, a live rosin gummy, or it's an interesting minor cannabinoid being added into a product. You have to educate people on why that matters to them. Why should they be interested in that? Training as the new marketing. Training as a marketing play is a hot topic across many sectors, but in the cannabis industry, it's even more essential given the advertising restrictions in place and given the important role bud tenders play in brand gatekeeping. Danny Gold, co-founder and CEO at Zoltrain, sees it as his mission to educate the world on cannabis. But what does this mean? How are he and his team going about it? Let's find out. Welcome, Danny Gold, the co-founder and CEO at Zoltrain. Uh, thanks for joining me today. First of all, let me... Let me ask, tell me a little bit about you and what you're doing and uh, your career before cannabis and how you got into the sector. That would be a great place to start. Yeah, that's a lot. I hope it's a, it'll be a two hour intro. Um, okay. Learn that, right. <laughs> that I like to, to like to talk and, and get into it. But uh, thanks so much for, for having me on, David. It's so great to connect. And, yeah. um, you know, I love Likewise. anybody collecting, collecting stories and obviously love talking about cannabis and, and education and, and tech and all the intersections there. So um, my background is is technical. I'm an engineer by trade. I like to say that nobody around me is letting me, uh, hasn't let me write code in the better part of 15 years. Um, I always say if I have to get a real job, I, I do something around product management. Um, so I'm usually at the intersection of, of business and technology. So um, really sitting with, with customers um, and then uh, people who have um, problems that are valuable enough to solve where, you know, technology can be built and, and they're willing to pay to, to have those problems solved and make their lives easier. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I love those challenges. I love working with technical teams and I love working on yeah. um, big new business problems and, and working with customers. Um, on the cannabis side of the world, um, I'm here in Denver. Um, you know, we're, we're more than 10 years into um, yeah, medical yeah. legalization and then 2014. So however many years yeah. it's been since that, <laughs> we're, we're about eight years into the, the adult use market. Um, my, myself and my co-founder um, got connected with an operator here in Denver, uh, actually in Boulder, um, who was one of the um, original license holders in cannabis who was having to train a lot of employees who had never worked in cannabis. It's a new market. Mm -hmm. We're seeing this over yeah. and over again in the US, right? When New Jersey um, issues their license and opens the source, there's no trained workers in the entire state of New Jersey. It's never been legal there. There's probably people that know a little bit about cannabis. They don't know about the, the legal cannabis market. And, you know, know, the compliance and the products on the market and how to connect with consumers and sell it legally. Um, so we connected with a, uh, a person here who was having to hire and train those people and who was uh, recording videos and, and kind of putting together their own training um, and was looking for a technology solution. Said, hey, there has to be a better way to scale training. Um, I've got a bit of a background in educational technology a, a few different times in my career. Um, I've been able to take new technologies. First, it was interactive CD-ROMs, um, and then it was video streaming platforms, um, enable that technology. Oh, CD-ROMs, that's, that's old school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually one of the first things I ever did in technology uh, in college for my, for my uh, work-study program uh, was we launched the first uh, remote MBA program in the U.S., and we did it filming professors putting together interactive elements and mailing CDs. We didn't have internet connections that could support yeah. online streaming yeah. video um, then to date that use of technology. And then around 2010, 
Um, I actually authored a patent on interactive um, video learning, basically interactive elements mm -hmm. in a video stream. So by 2010, obviously technology had shifted, yeah. bandwidth was better. Um, everybody was, you know, kind of watching YouTube already around then. So, hey, there has to be a better way to do this with students interacting and collaborating around points in time in a video. Um, so with Zoltrain, we kind of had the opportunity to do that again. We're doing it now around cell phone uh, based technology and how people are connecting around a cell phone. But uh, I come at cannabis from the technology side and basically got connected with a license holder who had real problems, um, yeah. wanted to solve them. Um, and, you know, I think there were a lack of uh, a technology companies willing to work with cannabis companies, which we're still seeing that's that's going to shift over time. But the traditional tech companies have given us, you know, a really long runway uh, to solve the problems in unique new ways. I think what's going to happen there is we're going to bring those technologies back into other markets versus other markets bringing their technology yeah, to us. That's it. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, again, it really shows that you've got this kind of commitment to training and using kind of different media outlets to actually engage people. And I think that's really at the crux of it. But what? I thought was really interesting about what you guys are doing is the idea of training as, as marketing and um, I mean, education being one thing and, but how, how, how do you kind of dress that up then? I mean, not, not necessarily dress it up, but when you're kind of pitching the idea to, uh, to, to different uh, clients, the idea of, you know, you can engage more people to, you know, with your product by educating them about not just the product, but about the services around it. How, how does that kind of come together? And yeah, tell me more about the uh, training as marketing. So yeah, it's really it's one of those, you know, not to do a flex, I just have it on, I happen to have it on my desk. Um, you know, we oh, won wow. a Clio. We, we won a top marketing award Jeez. for wow. Congrats. When a training platform. Um, and this, so this was last year, this was the the second um, Clio Cannabis Awards. Um, we mm. won a sil uh, silver in the digital and mobile tech category. I'm obviously proud about it. I've got it here. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's the, it was the perfect prop for marketing and, and training, right? We're an education company. We're an education tech company. <clears throat> what, are, what business do we have with a marketing award? You know, how, how does marketing intersect here? Um, well, it's a new market that's that's never been available for consumers to purchase legally. Um, any new market starts with education, right? Uh, we always talk about this. If you were to release a brand new thing, the first electric car, right? The first Segway, um, anything that that's really interesting and new and is is a, a brand new change to consumers, you know, it's not something they're looking for. It's not something they knew they wanted. You have to lead with education. Um, a lot of times you don't want to be the first one doing that because it's very expensive to educate a market. Um, but when you're releasing a new product, um, whether that's just cannabis being sold in, in your state or your country for the first time, yeah. or it's a new cannabis product, you know, it's a, a live rosin gummy, or it's an interesting minor cannabinoid being added into a product, you have to educate people on why that matters to them. Why should they be interested in that? Um, you're hoping they have a need that you can meet. Um, but you have to you have to weave an education. You have to tell them that this thing exists. They're not going to Google it. They're not going to go search for it because they didn't know it existed. Right. Um, so everything in cannabis starts with education. All of the marketing better have education in it. Um, so you can explain to consumers why um, this um, is safe to purchase and legal to purchase and how they purchase it. So it can be education just around how do I even acquire this? Hey, I heard I saw a news story. Um, mm. My state's supposed to have dispensaries opening. What does that mean? Is that okay? Am I going to get robbed when I walk in here? Is this sketchy? Am I am I going to be able to keep my job? Am I, you know, there, there's all kinds of education just on, um, mm. you know, is this something that I want to participate in? Um, and then you go down the rabbit hole of, okay, you walk into a dispensary. 
this is overwhelming, right? That's, that's the word that we hear all the time when we talk to especially new consumers is the, the, the big word is everything is overwhelming. The product selection is overwhelming. The people that are talking to me are overwhelming. Um, you know, if I don't know the lingo, I don't know the words they're using. Um, one thing we talk about in new markets, those of us that, that work in the industry that uh, you kind of come numb, just like any industry to acronyms and, and certain, you know, uh, words yeah. and lingo. Yeah, no, the I word flower, <laughs> you mm. get on a dispensary menu and you see a category called flower. Go poll consumers in a new market who have never approached legal, legal cannabis and ask yeah. them if they use the word flower to talk about buying cannabis. It's not a, it's, it's not what that word means yeah, no, to no. them. <laughs> no, exactly. No, I was having this exact conversation with someone the other day. Someone's, so when you say, when you talk about flower, you mean the actual plant, the actual, you know, yeah. the stuff you grind yeah. up. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But, but that's it. No, I think that that's, I mean, that's, that's here in the UK where we don't necessarily talk about it in those terms in the recreational sense. Yeah, there's like, we just call you it know? weed or, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, we just, absolutely. we need to just talk to people how they are. Like, oh, that's yeah. a flower is what you, what you think about when you're buying weed. Now there's all this other stuff. We we also need to educate you on well, that's that. It. What are the market changing? Mm. What are fast acting ingredients? You know, yep. does CBN do anything for sleep? Like there, there's a million questions there. That's where all of this has to be education. It can't just be, it's not a product category people know where they're immediately going to go into a comparison shopping, right? Um, I will say reviews are important, those kind of things. You always want yeah. that kind of connection. So that that kind of shopping still works. But you know, you're not going on on Amazon saying, oh, I'm comparing these two bikes. You know, what's what's the differences mm -hmm. in these two bikes? I know what a bike is, I know how to ride a bike, I know, you know, maybe some of the parts of a bike I can comparison shop to bikes. Mm -hmm. um, if you just set a consumer down in front of an average dispensary menu, uh, they're going to be completely lost if they're new to the industry. So you better lead with education, keep it simple, mm -hmm. um, and have a couple quick, simple recommendations. We always talk about, um, I think one of the most important things um, a dispensary or brand can do, and it's really more on the retailers and the dispensary side, is like a new buyer guide. Are you new here? Just, just, it's almost like a condensed menu. Like here are five things Absolutely. to look at. I mean, that <laughs> makes sense in the, the rest of the store. Yeah, no, but I think that makes a lot of, lot of sense in terms of, you know, you're in a dispensary, but I suppose, where else are they kind of getting this information from consumers? Um, they, obviously they can look online, they can look at, you know, leaflies and things like that. You can mm -hmm. do some research online and see, oh, that looks interesting, what all that, and you can kind of get into that. But I suppose it's about creating that engagement in situ, is that kind of, when we talk about yeah. training is marketing, it's like okay, educating people about what they're about to see, you know, for the people who are curious and, and how do you kind of get that in front of them in that dispensary as well? Yeah, so I think there, there's there's two parts to that, right? There, there's hmm. one, uh, you have to, have to get them in the door of the dispensary, right? And, and then you can start with the bud tenders or your patient consultants if you're in a medical market. Um, yeah. Sometimes there's a pharmacist if you're in a medical market. So you have to kind of look at, you know, adult use versus uh, medical there. Um, mm -hmm. Part of me wishes, you know, there was a pharmacist who was educated or, or a nurse in every dispensary so that you could actually could answer medical questions. That's another topic on education is what you even can and can't say. But when you yeah. talk about where are people finding this, this uh, information, um, I think there actually is a gap, um, and it, it, I think it's, some of it's driven by marketing regulations of new consumer information being available. So you mentioned Leafly, you know, Weed Maps, these sites, they may know about them. If you Google anything related to cannabis, you're going to get hits on those sites. Yep. Those sites are still kind of overwhelming for new consumers, right? If you look at it, 
they're built to drive orders and, and drive traffic. Traffic that's going to be for more of a repeat customer. They can be great when you start looking at, you know, I think about Leafly with strains, right? Like if you really mm -hmm. want to go down that rabbit hole and you're looking at terpenes and uh, cannabinoid blends uh, and, and and percentages yeah. there, that can be great if you if you kind of figure out what works for you and what sits mm -hmm. well with you, and then you want to go explore the wide world of the bajillion strains that are that are out there and their wacky names. Um, it can yeah. just be, you know, a, a fun internet uh, black hole to step into. Not really accessible for for the can of curious uh, consumer yeah. there. So I think about it in, in two ways. To, yeah. No, sorry. I'm going to say it's, it's just more stuff for them to kind of go, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Overwhelming, uh, right? Just keep, we'll keep coming back to the, the word overwhelming. Yeah. Like you want to be overwhelmed, you know, stuff on the side. It's intimidating as well. I mean, for yep. people, I mean, I guess the idea of, you know, cannabis having been illegal for so long, suddenly yep. someone decides to try it when in legal state or, you know, and it's like, can we do this? Is this, is this something yeah, yeah. I can actually do now? And I guess there's <laughs> yep. that moment of, well, I'm here, yep. it's, it's happening, yep. you know, and I guess so that must we, be quite liberating, but scary. Yeah, Liber liberating and scary. I remember, you know, walking in dispensaries have changed a lot. And I think new dispensaries opening are, are mm -hmm. following new patterns. And they feel, you know, you, you hear like, there's like an apothecary or an Apple store. And there's all kinds of different kinds. And when, when they first opened here in Colorado, at least, they were like cinder block, you know, rough buildings. You felt like you were buying drugs. And you talk about scary and <laughs> there's lines around the corner. There's armed, uh, armed security yeah. guards because we're working in cash. Luckily, we've we, we've we've moved past that, and and some of that was just controlled by where you could even get a license and open a store, and 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 a lot of that has changed for the better. Um, but when we look at you know these websites, what do people search for? How do people get in the door? Honestly, most of it is from peers. It's going to be from your neighbor. It's going to be from another parent on on the playground. Uh, it's going to be somebody hearing it from uh, their children, right? Um, this is where I think a lot of the new consumers. Um, that maybe don't even consume cannabis, maybe have never consumed cannabis, maybe haven't since high school or college are coming in. Somebody is telling them about products that are for them. You know, they're, they're sitting around talking about, you know what, maybe I should drop that third glass of wine or, you know, oh, I broke my shoulder and, I'm, and I, I really don't want to, you know, continue taking pain pills. I'm taking two ibuprofen every four hours for a month. What should I look at? I'm having trouble sleeping. You know, one of the most common things during the pandemic, that's where you start to see searches come in is does cannabis work for sleep? I'm having trouble sleeping. Um, if you can start ranking in, in those results, then you can pull in um, some new consumers and, and let them know that there might be some products for them. Uh, but a lot of times it's from some kind of peer. Somebody in a social network is saying, no, 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 I actually had a great experience. Have you gone to that dispensary? Have you gone down there? Oh, let me recommend which right. one to go to. And by the way, try this maybe lower dose product or, or try this beverage or try something that is, that is, you know, uh, a little gentler for, for somebody coming in um, and, and the classic uh, start low, go slow, right? Start with a, with a lower dose of, of THC, consume it slowly, see how it sits with you, see if these products are for you. Um, so I still think it's that word of mouth. And part of it is you're not seeing an Instagram ad, right? You're not seeing a Twitter ad. Mm -hmm. um, you might see some Google ads for some very specific search terms, but these platforms that normally introduce us to new products and new markets, right? Um, <clears throat> I think about Instagram. Instagram is probably one of the best for just new products. You're scrolling through an Instagram feed, you see some wacky thing and they're trying to sell it to you. You never knew that product existed, right? They're targeting you. They know based on all kinds of parameters that you might be interested. Because marketers and cannabis don't have those tools available to build awareness, mm -hmm. they're, they're working yeah. on word of mouth and they're working on good experiences 
And they, if they get you, if you already mm -hmm. are consuming urine stores, that bud tender gets you with a couple bullet points about um, a new product. We always talk about when we do bud tender specific training. Uh, obviously, we want the bud tender yeah. trained on uh, these products. What we actually want them to do is impart like fun facts to you. So mm -hmm. when you're sitting around the campfire, when you're stirring the dinner table, when you're in the car ride with somebody, you can remember those. And then it kind of spreads the word of mouth. Like, oh, well, the budgeter said this, this, and this. Um, hopefully those resonate in your brain and you can start getting that um, kind of mini social network effect. Um, but it's a lot of it spreading offline uh, because the online angles for marketing are not available to us. Absolutely. I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, we mentioned sort of bud tenders and that, I mean, it I think I mentioned this briefly before start recording the idea that bud tenders are very much the sort of gatekeepers for a lot of brands as well. And mm -hmm. I guess in a way, a lot of brands and dispensaries need to find ways to become their best friends in a way, you know, to really get yeah. that, uh, <laughs> that sense of engagement, that sense of, you know, why yeah. is your product better than the other? And then again, when you've got, well, I guess in, I don't know about how it is. I mean, I would imagine Colorado is similar to California in that you have a lot of brands coming in mm -hmm. right now. Yep. So it's a case of, well, how do you differentiate when we're talking about strains, which themselves, again, overwhelming. It's like, so you need to have that that messaging, that cut through that actually speaks to butters and gives them that kind of information, that anecdotal stuff to help people feel at ease in the dispensary. Do you think that's kind of part of that process as well? Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting you know, the, the ride through this pandemic and, and how that shifted, but then honestly, how we're sitting here kind of at the end of, of Q1 2022 and how things are kind of coming back to basics in this industry um, that they were before the pandemic. So we had some data and we see commonly published data that buttenders are responsible for upwards of 90% of recommendations in a dispensary um, up to 90% of people will take a bartender's recommendation. And, and that comes down to, if you make the, the cut of, of three products on the counter, so we always kind of teaching that sales, right? I have three things at three different price points that might be interesting. The consumers, mm -hmm. the, the consumers, you know, nine times out of 10 going to pick one of those that you put on the counter. Um, obviously every brand wants loyal customers. They want you to go into your store. They want you to, uh, ask for their brand. They're still working on that. We, we are seeing brands that are, that are getting there in certain markets. There are large national yeah. brands now that have that following that, you know, you love their gummies or you love their pre-rolls. Um, but a lot of, of, of cannabis customers, even our team says this all the time, uh, they go in, they're like, I work in this industry. I build this training. I know every product on that shelf. And I still tried something new because the buttoner recommended it. Um, right. And the buttoner was okay. passionate about it. And they were able to speak to it. And these are people that have been in the industry for a yeah. decade are still so taking those you, recommendations. Yeah. I was just going to say about bud tenders. I mean, how many do you think have sort of formal training? I mean, I know there's things like mm. Amsterdam University and, you know, there are yep. other kind of online training programs. And I imagine there must be kind of sort of local in-person ones as well as online. But I mean, like you said, you were saying before about, you know, there being a kind of pharmacist you know, someone mm -hmm. who can kind of make medical recommend or even recreational recommendations. How do you, you know, that is quite, I mean, I guess it's people, it's their enthusiasm for the plant and for, you know, the products and things like that. But is there, you know, do, I guess the majority have just kind of learned it, you know, from the legacy market or from you know, yeah. their passion for it or, you know, so how do you kind so, of almost overcome that sort of, that sort of training or how do you provide a kind of more, dare I say, professional approach to sort of mm. training. And I don't know. I mean, it's curious because yeah. I mean, yeah. Herein lies the problem. Um, herein lies the problem mm. that um, 
we think you know we're we're here to solve. Um, I wouldn't claim we've we've solved it. We're we're working to build awareness on there is a problem. We should people should be investing in solving this. Um, yeah. Let me let me give you my perspective. And there yeah. there are different markets. Medical market differs than adult use. Um, and then we'll see you know different different states honestly have different regulations around training and what is required. So there's not a universal still federally legal. We don't have universal federal mandates. There For probably sure. will For be sure. at some point. Um, but we see common patterns in there. Um, so the most common thing we see is uh, some states require a responsible vendor training. I'm going to be like bartender training, right? Um, you know, how do you check IDs? Uh, how do you not overserve? What are your sales limits? What are the compliance rules? What are the things that are going to protect the license? When we talk about training, that's usually top of mind for a business owner. Um, this is a highly regulated market. Um, there are more wild rules and regulations that are changing rapidly that almost nobody can can stay on top of. And you are expecting your retail employees um, to help protect your license because they can make a mistake that can get them in trouble, that they can be liable for, and they can get your business in trouble. Yeah. Um, the worst, you know, no. you put on probation, you can lose a license. We've seen these cases. These are like the worst things, the things that we want yeah. to protect people from. Um, so a lot of states will require a responsible vendor. Um, it's, it's usually a one day class. Um, sometimes you have to take it every two years. Sometimes you might have to take it every year. Um, but the truth is, there isn't a lot of standard required training. Uh, most of this industry runs on job shadowing, which means if Dave's been here the longest and Dave's the best bud tender, I hope the schedules align and my new employees can spend some time with Dave. And through osmosis, they will just pick up all of Dave's great traits and understand, you know, what he's doing and greeting guests and answering questions and making recommendations and getting them signed up to the loyalty program and upselling them and all the things I want that employee to do. Um, obviously, that's inconsistent. Obviously, that doesn't scale. Um, one of the things we've been working on with retailers, especially multi-location retailers, um, as they expand from one store to three stores to 10 stores, is how do you take, in a very easy way, um, in a very accessible way, how do you take Dave's knowledge and all the things you want every employee to do consistently in every one of your locations where you now have you know 200 employees, um, how do you train everybody, hold them accountable for that? Um, we're having to go out there and do this. Some operators understand this. Um, we see differences like in the Northeast uh, here in the US, we're seeing a lot of people come from traditional retail, not from the legacy market. So it's a little bit different yeah. than it's been out West here in Colorado and, and Oregon and Washington and California. Um, they're kind of bringing formal training programs and salespersonship training and, and those kind of things. Um, and, you know, honestly, out here, we're, we're still building awareness on this is how you're going to scale your business. If you want consistent reviews, if you want those customers to walk away and do that social network effect of, of telling their friends and getting this, I had a great experience and these people have the best budget tenders and they're super accessible and it's not going to be overwhelming. Um, we want everybody to have that experience and that requires consistent training. But honestly, it's on the operators right now to create that, invest in that and make it because there's not a lot of formal training. When you talk about things like Oaksterdam, we love these programs. We love what they're doing. Um, there's a lot of programs like that out there. That's really going to be either people that want to operate in the industry, you know, they want to get a license, they're looking for higher level positions, maybe they want to manage. Um, it's not necessarily going to be every bud tender or every, uh, every bud tender is not going to seek that out and lay out their yeah. own capital and pay for it. Not, not sure. every manager is going to pay to send them there. Um, you know, if you think about a bud tender, unfortunately, you're really competing with servers, 
with fast food employees and you know mm. here we're, we're we're in you know this great resignation this there there's there's nobody available to work it's so tough you're, competition you're for fighting. Jobs. Yeah. yeah mcdonald's is going to take your bartenders and put them in a management program and pay them twice as much and give them health care and send them to college um that's that's happening you know all over the u.s here um mm. so you're literally competing with that in there so investing in training is important it's not formalized most bud tenders on the job, I'll, I'll put a generalization here. Most bud tenders on the job have had no formal training. They've had mm -hmm. job shadowing. They've had whatever mm -hmm. the minimum yeah. required compliance training is. There are better operators than that. That is is kind of the, the average. So in terms of where you guys come in at Zoltrain with that kind of education piece, how does that kind of fit into that sort of reality that, you know, for bud tenders, for brands, for kind of the, you know, multi-state operators, all of that stuff, where do you kind of present the the right that kind of connection that information to help build that world word of mouth really yeah so you know the the couple of things about our platform um just mm. making it easy and accessible I'll just i'll just say that over and over again we want to make yeah. training easy and accessible we don't want people mm -hmm. to think they have to have an instructional designer or yeah. a large enterprise learning management system or, or these yes. things that once again are overwhelming for the operators they don't they don't come from this they don't know they need that they don't know how to shop shop for that uh, the first thing we did was made training easy. So um, we put it on on the worker's cell phone. So our training platform that we created, it's all of our own IP, looks and feels like a social media feed. And it's built for kind of bite-sized micro-learning, meaning you've got five minutes between activities. Can I train you on a new product that's launching? Can I train you on a new procedure to open the store? Can I train you on a new feature of your point of sale or a new cashless you know, ATM payment system that the, the owners just put in that's launching next week? Um, we look at breaking training into like five-minute segments that look and feel like an Instagram and TikTok feed with, you know, auto playing vertical videos and nice mm -hmm. infographics and keep you engaged, keep your eyes on that screen. Uh, we did that because if you put it on a PowerPoint, if you put it on a desktop screen, if you stand up in front of people and talk, they get distracted and they pull out their cell phones and they start scrolling through Instagram anyways. So if you, you, might, as well be phone, on <laughs> you might as well be on that phone, right? If that's yep, what they're going to head to, right? Yep. So we started with creating really, really high end brand training and then sending it to the butt tenders. Um, that was, you know, brands had the budget, brands had this need yep. to train people okay. that don't work for them. That's where we started. Um, what we've been doing now here in 2022 is we took the tools that we use to make that content, um, made them very, very simple so that a retail store manager can go through and create that five minute training, drag and drop, shoot a video on your phone. I talk about job shadowing a lot, right? I'm not telling people that what they're doing is wrong. I'm telling them it doesn't scale. Dave doesn't scale. If Dave's your best bud tender and you own 10 stores throughout a state the size of Colorado or California, Dave cannot be everywhere to train every new employee. It's like having a, Dave, I mean, your states are the size of, you know, the, you know, England, basically. Your entire the country. Yeah. Yeah. There's, 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 it's a big geography to cover. So yeah. Yeah. yeah you can't cover everyone at once. Yeah. But what Dave can do is take out their cell phone, aim it at themselves, shoot a two minute video of highlighting a new product, highlighting a new procedure in the in the store, doing a walkthrough of how you greet guests. Um, you can actually take your employees, record simple content. You don't need to produce a $20,000 video that's gonna be impossible to edit and maintain is gonna be out of date in two weeks. But Dave can probably shoot a TikTok style video looking at the camera, which is actually gonna resonate better with your employees anyways. Upload yeah. it to our platform, add a couple quiz questions, click a button, send it to all of your staff in all the locations, and then hold them accountable. Pull reports mm -hmm. and see, have people looked at it? Have people taken the training? Did they go through the, the short quiz at the end? So we're letting people who have not mm -hmm. been used to creating mm -hmm. training 
easily create training, drag and drop some stock video in there, add some text, add a video, add some quiz questions, send it out, watch and track. Um, so we, we've kind of, that's the retailer side of trying to make it super accessible, super easy and adaptable at the rate of change that the industry changes at. So the brand training, we do a lot of the content creation on, um, but we've also given our tools, um, you think about it as simpler than like a WordPress site to drag and drop and create a training program that Again, looks like that, a cell phone feed, send it yeah. out. It's like user-generated content versus stuff that you've got from, I guess, paying customers as brands who are kind of keen to kind of put their own, you know, their materials out there. And, you know, it's, yep. but again, you, so you kind of have the best of both worlds in that respect as a kind of, you know, as, as a retailer, as a dispensary, you can, you can access all of that. We've got these products in the, in the, in the, uh, in the store. So we have that, but also I need to show you how to do this. So again, mm -hmm. here we go. Here's the phone. I record that two minute yep. off it goes. And, uh, Wow. Well, that's really good. Yeah, our that's goal really is cool. really, we want to be that hub mm. where, and it'll, it'll be past dispensaries, right? You, you, you've got to have a focus. We're a startup, right? So we did brands yeah. first. Now we're working on retailers because we do have that interesting intersection of, yeah. it's very unique that they can pull in the brand training. Uh, we can put some yeah. compliance training. We have our own first party training. We create some cannabis one-on-one. When we hear something from every retailer, something we're doing more, salespersonship is one of these. Um, there's a lack of training on just, Bartenders realizing that they're in a sales job um, and, th and that it's kind of like an icky feeling. You can't just say that like you're doing sales. I need you to upsell, <laughs> but you're doing customer service. Um, you are doing upsells. You are working for the business. This business is going to stay alive if you if you make a sale. But you're going to do that by making the right recommendations and getting a loyal customer and getting them back and asking for a review and asking them to tell their friends and all these kind of things. Uh, you have to train people to do that. Um, so we're creating some of that content so that operators have this turnkey. That retailer can have it and turn that content on for their uh, employees, create their own content, and then pull in this brand content. Um, mm -hmm. So. We're kind of a unique hub there. Um, but, you know, we also have the early stages of some cultivation uh, companies on the platform and yeah, some cool. extraction infusion. You know, maybe it's how do I work this extraction equipment? How do I work this mold remediation equipment? Um, so, so we're kind of in the early stages of dabbling in that. You know, that'll be coming. We want to train everybody in this industry. Um, you know, this is the officially in 2021 North America cannabis created more net new jobs than any other industry. Um, so we we're officially number one. Yeah. <laughs> there are more people to train in this industry um, over the next four years than, than any other industry. People need jobs. They need new jobs. We need workers. Um, and we, we plan to train all of them in cannabis. Absolutely. I was uh, listening to a podcast earlier. We were talking about um, sort of seasonal sort of increases in different jobs when it comes to kind of harvest and things like that. And you have kind of communities set up for a few weeks in like Humboldt Valley and things like, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is, the Emerald Triangle. And, you know, again, the, the work, the, there's so many different aspects to the type of work within the cannabis sector. And that's what always strikes me about just how varied it is. I mean, you, you know, I was at um, Spanabis over in Barcelona mm -hmm. two weeks ago. So I'm not just like name dropping just because, you know. Yeah, easier <laughs> hop for you than me. I didn't get to make it, but yeah, uh, no, easier no. plane ride for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But again, you see that kind of broad sweep of brands. You have everything from that kind of, head shop kind of like neon skull bone type stuff mm -hmm. all the way up to kind of high-end almost sort of luxury brand type yep. packaging and it's just again that's almost reflected in just the various roles that people can play within the sector as well you've just got such vast kind of differences and disparities and mm -hmm. you know which is great but again it's kind of like so many different industries in one industry that yeah. is kind of still trying to find itself that's kind of yeah. what i got that feeling about and i think that's an exciting place to be it is and i think that variety i mean we almost 
we almost did it too soon in some ways because there, there's not quite the the customer loyalty that these brands would like to see. And they, they hate for me to tell them that. They they kind of know it, but they're all working on it. They're all investing heavily. Um, but we've got the branding, you know, especially like the California brands. Um, yeah. You know, California knows branding. They know CPG branding. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this rise of so many brands across that spectrum and I love them. They're beautiful. We get to work with their content. We get to work with their assets. We get to work yeah. with the out there psychedelic and the streetwear focused brands and then the more medicinal focused brands and everything in between. And we love it. We love seeing the differences there, but it almost leads to that overwhelming aspect of mm-hmm. consumers don't know the basics. We're trying to differentiate through branding already on a product that they don't quite understand. Um, and, yes. and that, you know, you think about branding at that level in a mature saturated market where branding can be a major differentiator where you can say, oh, this brand resonates with me, right? Um, I like to skateboard, I like music, like this brand is speaking to me, this is kind of the visuals I'm mm-hmm. used to, yeah. like it's what I wanna be aligned to, that's the shirt I wanna wear. Um, or, you know, I'm looking more in like the cosmetic or the health or the wellness angle and because cannabis plays in all of that, you get to have yeah. those kind of brands. Once again, it's, it's, it's overwhelming of what is that? What does that brand represent? What kind of products do they make in there? And you launch that in a new yeah. market where nobody's ever you know, bought an eighth of, of cannabis flower yes. legally. And now yeah. I've got this shelf of hundreds and hundreds of products. Um, it's it. very cool to see, um, but it, it is, I just keep, I've said it a hundred times in this, it's, it, it can be overwhelming to a, to a new consumer. And I really want to make this space accessible to new consumers. You know, one of the reasons we train bud tenders so they can ask the right questions, really make a good recommendation, not just the products they've tried, not just the products they like, not just the products that meet their tolerance level. Um, These butt tenders are not the average consumer coming in. In certain stores, in certain locations, they might be, but they're not the consumers we want to bring in. They're not the net new consumers that are going to grow the industry in there. So how do we make the industry accessible across that and not overwhelming? And even for people who have some degree of knowledge or understanding, I mean, I remember... I was in in Canada. When was it? It's pre-pandemic, so I think it was 2019. And again, going again, the first time I kind of went to like you know consumption lounge, thinking this is like you know this is something you just couldn't do in the UK because they don't exist, yeah. or not at least legally. But again, and kind of going to the to the person saying, well, you know, looking all this stuff, what do you recommend? And it's like, well, what do you want to? How do you how do you want to feel? I'm like, well. Mm. You know, slightly relaxed and, you know, motivated and then, you know, recommend something for sort of 10 bucks next minute. I'm like giggling like a schoolgirl, and it's like, oh, well, well, this is great and everything. I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure whether that, you know, and I kind of, well, yeah, yeah, if yeah. I'd have known it would have this effect, I would have just taken it back to the Airbnb and just like, you know, chilled. Or yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Put on, but, put on but again, it's kind of anime or something. And, and, well, anime, it, and, and it's that. <laughs> And that's and, and that's cool, but it's it's that whole thing of like when you when you start to look at it from you know I want to be able to kind of sleep you know and I think that whole idea of there's different strains that mean different things the indica sativa THC CBD levels you know again coming back to the overwhelming I can't remember what it was but I was reading more and more about brands that are actually sort of packaging their um you know the product of flour or even oils and things like that as talking about the effect they want to have. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, and things like that. And so that, again, in a way, feels a lot more accessible if you can sort of say, you know, yeah, this yeah. is kind of I, like, I you know, your nighttime routine, or this is yep. your kind of, you know, perk you up in the morning after a coffee type effect. Yeah, it's you know what I mean? It's super mm. interesting because most cannabis brands, you're, you're not allowed to, you know, claim 
of, you're not allowed to make claims, right? There, there's there's okay. this gray yes. area of like, yes. what can you say in marketing, what can you not? And there's a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of lawyers are making a lot of money in the compliance department looking at packaging and saying, does this meet the packaging requirements in every state? Because it changes. One of the things we do, we work with some national brands that have products in 11 different states. Their right. packages are different in 11 different states and they have to meet guidelines in 11 different states, which uh, makes our jobs fun from training of trying to build some like consistent training where literally every image has to be changed because the budget is like, that's not what my gummy container looks like in this state. It has a different colored lid, it has mm -hmm. different labeling yes. requirements on it. Um, and you go to Canada where they yeah. don't even really allow the big yellow sticker. Yeah, exactly. So you can't make those claims. And, and the interesting thing we saw a lot Lot of this in, in in last year in 2021 is they just named the product the effect so the product literally just says sleep on the package or rest or relax um, yep. or uplifting um, and you know it seems to be compliant they're, they're able to push it through it's great for a consumer as long as it meets their expectations and that's the the experience you had which I do think is is not as talked about in this space and even in the education side is you know, how much can we train? Like brain, humans are, are complex individual creatures. Brains are incredibly complex things that we don't understand. Um, we're doing more research. Cannabis is still a schedule one drug in the US. There's only so much research we can do. There's more than ever than has ever been done, but we're early into it. So how do we model the effects? If you talk about a strain, you know, which is going to have hundreds, if not thousands of compounds in it. Um, how are those, you know, the, the whole entourage effect, how are those interacting with each other? Or even a product that has, you know, distilled cannabinoids in it. Um, you know, some kind of just, we know this just has CBD and THC and maybe some terpenes in it. How does that, how does that uh, interact? Um, and the indicative sativa spread. So we don't know as much as we all like to project we do in this industry. And I'm, I'm comfortable saying that they were making a good recommendation yeah. and that might've been their personal experience, but it's not how it interacted in your brain. Well, exactly. And again, it's the whole idea of, you know, cannabis is a complex plant, you know, the endocannabinoid system, you know, and I guess it all affects us differently and it affects mm -hmm. your kind of mood at the time. How are you feeling? I mean, I have a lot of friends who just won't go near cannabis just because they've had such a bad experience as, as a yep. youngster. And it probably paid into the fact they were freaking out, like, oh, we're doing something illegal. Oh, you know, mm -hmm. smoking joint, the police comes. And that, you know, that paranoia, you know, that enhances that. And so that's, yep. again, so even in, you know, th there's so many different things that yep. it's, it's kind of refreshing when you say that about, you know, we don't know all the answers. We don't know what the effect is. We can kind of just go on our own experience and the experiences of the majority at a given moment yep. and on a certain thing. But that doesn't mean it's going to be the same thing to every single person. Yep. I think strains um, are the most complex to understand. Mm. And, I, and I do think, you know, two people taking the same THC edible are going to have a different experience based on uh, their metabolism and, you know, what they ate. And mm. then I also think anything psycho psychoactive, we think about this more in psychedelics, but I think anything psychoactive set and setting is going to be important. What mood did you have going into it? What's around it? How are you interacting? Because all of those things yeah. are going to release other chemicals in your brain and that's going to change the balance of, of how you're feeling and how you're thinking right maybe you were so excited to be out at that consumption lounge at this thing mm -hmm. that would normally be a little bit relaxing you just had other chemicals going in and, and the experience you had there was like let's enhance all of these yeah. <laughs> and you're just excited mean? to be out in the world and it's a beautiful place and, and you get, get yeah with, with friends <laughs> but strains yeah. strains are so much more complex right um because <laughs> yes. you've got everything from a full blend of cannabinoids, you know, the, the full whole plant experience there, mm -hmm. true full spectrum to, 
terpenes to flavonoids to other things that we're probably going to start discovering how they might interact and impact each other. So mm. we've seen this on the indica to sativa spectrum, right? Of uh, there, There's a lot of backlash now around these categories aren't helpful. That's not true. That's not the scientific classification. All that's accurate. Um, we, we think now that terpenes have more to do that, like an indica yeah. type effect is more of a, a certain prominent to terpene profile in there. Mm -hmm. Good luck trying yeah. to like talk to a consumer about that. You want to talk about overwhelming, like I just yeah, want a product recommendation. I'll start talking about mercine and limonene and, and go down that. But it's, not, it's, it's it because, I mean, but again, that because people, I guess, again, and this is a sweeping generalization, someone who's really into the plant, you know, within sort of five minutes, you're sort of talking about those aspects of it anyway, because mm. that's the way you think about it. And that yep. becomes the kind of entry point for yourself. But talking to someone who's like, well, I just kind of want to want to chill. And it's like, oh, OK, yep. well, have this then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yep. Without kind of going into the, like you say, the terpene profile and, yep. you know, what's involved. But again, it's it's it's, uh, you know, some people want to, again, everyone learns differently or absorbs information differently. And it's kind yep. of like, well, how can we cater for all of those kind of needs or some people want to explore what am i actually taking what is this you know i yeah. don't know what this is you know and yep. it, well, that needs to be accessible for those who want to find that out don't they so it's like how do you, having that information accessible in a way that people can find out as much or as little as they want about something. right i love that yes yes yeah let them let them explore give them mm -hmm. the high level if they're good they have a great experience they come back you're done let yep. them scan a QR code on the package and and look at the batch profile and a video of the grow and the ingredients they use in the soil and is this sun grown or not and how are those um, impacting me? Um, yeah. And sorry if you hear any background noise. There's somebody no, cutting no, a no, tree no. down across the street because you can kind of, you know yeah. plan these things perfectly. Um, <laughs> you walk outside of the car. There's just a tree no. coming down. But I think, yeah, there, there are consumers that, mm. that kind of want to be, um, and, and I, I tend to do this, like I geek out and research anything I'm buying. So I want to do that. I want to see the chart of, of the terpene profiles and understand yeah. this and, and keep a log and try to feel, oh, I had this effect and I find something similar. Um, another challenge we've seen in that is that, that I worry a little bit about in accessibility. Uh, we've seen this in California a lot. We've seen a lot of mature markets is there's been this race to increase THC percentage. You know, there's, there's been this, mm -hmm. can I get the most THC for the money? You're obviously selling to a certain specific type of consumer that has a higher tolerance that's, that's looking for that. Um, yeah. You know, we can debate, does the THC percentage impact your effects that much? But it is what it is. And it, it, yeah. it comes to, I see people posting and talking about, I have this great harvest of this strain and it's testing at 17% and I could never sell it. There are so many people that that plant is, probably perfect for the people that that, that you're talking about that mm. didn't have a great experience that just wanted to to kind of have a, a subtle effect and and rest and relax and, and hang out and i worry that if we don't support that and do the right education and that we don't prove that there are buyers out there for that that we almost end up breeding out <laughs> some of the genetics that could yeah. be really important for people that need certain effects base and they just don't mm -hmm. want to get as high as possible if that's what the high THC percentages are, are doing or just have a high tolerance. But no, but that's interesting. I mean, I think that again, it's almost like you, you think about alcohol and, you know, you know, you want to have a beer with friends. That's one thing. If you want to kind of, you know, go out, do shots and, you know, have cocktails or yeah. whatever, that's, that's a completely different scenario. So again, it's thinking about cannabis as, you know, different types of cannabis, THC strains and things like that as, you know, I think of it as kind of, well, what kind of mood you're in so this is what you want to do this is what you use that for but again yep. there isn't necessarily that awareness awareness in the same way but it's also like i think more so here in 
in Europe, this side of the pond, you have, you know, because of the, the sort of status, you know, cannabis, you know, recreational is only just becoming legal in certain countries like Malta, for example. I think Germany have approved it. it's going to happen at some point. But again, there's still that very much, you know, here in the UK where medical cannabis is legal, but not well known about. There's you're still seeing lots of kind of CBD products coming through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I see that in the local pharmacy in this small town where I live. And that's, um, you know, CBD patches, you know, and you wouldn't necessarily think of that as cannabis. It's the sort of thing that anyone could buy, you know, as a kind of pain relief thing. So, again, maybe when you're coming into it from the angle that, you know, you're kind of building up that health and wellness kind of profile yep. of it in a kind of consumer medical market. And eventually, and I'm, I'm hopeful one day there will be kind of, you know, adult use here in the, in the UK, at least there will be that kind of more of an educated market right. around yeah. the, the products and the plant itself, rather than we're here to get wasted and let's do it properly type. Do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. But there's room yeah, for yeah. that. There's room for all of that, you know, yeah, like you say, when you've got a kind of, yeah. Cause I think those, those products are perfect. Some of my favorite products to recommend. So I do this a lot. I'm a dad. I talk to other parents. Um, most yeah. of the people, my network, you know, everybody knows I work in cannabis that I talk to, um, but I have a network that's that's outside of cannabis, right? I have a kind of like a traditional mm -hmm. yeah. uh, tech network here in Denver. And then I just have like my parents and the friends and family. So I get a lot of this. I got a lot of it during the pandemic. I think a lot of us working in this industry have been fielding a lot of questions from family members and, um, yeah. you know, peers just are, okay, I'm thinking about this. I'm dealing with some anxiety. I'm dealing with, with, with whatever they're coming to. Um, a lot of us are, are playing bud tender on a daily basis through, through text messages. And can I yeah. talk to my friend yeah. about this and, yeah. and these kind of things? Sure. sure my sure. favorite products are ratioed products with CBD. Um, I think that from my experience, everybody's experience is going to be different, but from, from my success in recommending those, I think you can cut some of the raciness and, and the paranoia in there. Um, so I think you're, you're, um, you know, talking about like CBD being available in the market. Cause here in Denver, like CBD products weren't even available until after we already had legalized game. It was like kind of at the same time, right? right? Okay. Like the, okay. the hemp bills and the farm bills were coming out. Like we already had medical for five years and you know, yeah. that passed after we actually couldn't sell pure CBD products in dispensaries that came from hemp um until mm -hmm. later on wow. so you could only sell oh, wow. dc products so we were, we were wow. kind of backwards in it so it'll be very interesting to see in a market where everybody mm. knows cbd because i would yeah. almost just introduce it like okay now take that same product with a little bit of thc like say yeah. take something that's got two milligrams of thc or even like one milligram and then you, you kind of step yeah. up because that you are going to get an honorage effect there you are going to um you know potentially make that cbd more bioavailable through thc there, there's, there's going to be an impact there it might help with whatever the the cbd was helping with but this even comes down to strains and and these i'm glad that i have a few dispensaries that have growers that support the medical market because uh, even on the strain side I love recommending one to one or like three to two CBD strains. So mm -hmm. if somebody, if we were having a backyard barbecue um, and we were in a location, somebody's like, Hey, do you have a strain that we should try? Um, I've always got something like Harlequin or sour tsunami um, or something in here, which sometimes tests at less than 10% THC. Um, it is more of a one to one. And the thing that I hear all the time, we, we don't just kind of joke. It's just like dad weed um, is like, oh, this is kind of like what I, you know, smoked in high school. and What I remember cannabis being versus I yeah. went into a dispensary and bought a, a pre-roll. Maybe it was an infused pre-roll with 80% THC in it because they put hash in it. Um, and then I was on the moon or whatever. Um, there are strains out yeah. there. Um, and some of them are interesting because they're actually coming from the hemp side. There are some hemp 
strains because hemp and cannabis yeah. is the same plant, yeah. right? Uh, there's some hemp strains that test hot for THC, so you can't sell as hemp, uh, mm -hmm. but are perfect for a medical market um, or perfect for potentially a new consumer um, that have, you know, high CBD, high CBG, um, other minor cannabinoids in it. Um, mm -hmm. So I love those products. So I would say um, that kind of adds to, you know, that path that you're talking about of like, if yeah. CBD is well known and is accepted, THC becomes available, maybe that market will sustain higher level of CBD, lower level THC products and, and have just a better entry. And we are seeing those come in. The yeah. markets here are seeing a lot of in beverages. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of cool products that are low THC products that I think are the perfect, you know, try this. You're, you're, you're unlikely to have a bad experience with this. Everybody's unique, but yeah. you're not having to, to tell people to rip the corner off of a 10 milligram gummy and go slow. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But I think, um, I mean, that's just really interesting. I think again, it, it's, it's curious to see how it all sort of kind of play out, I think, here. And I guess in, in other states, but I mean, I've looked at sort of a map of the US, where is cannabis legal? And it's kind of like, you know, mm. the kind of outer edge, the kind of the west and the east coast. <laughs> and then the closer you get yep. to the middle, the yep. more kind of like, we catch you with CBD here, we're bringing out the wagon type thing, you know, it's, it's right. Yep. It's like, yep. kind of a, it's like, whoa, okay. It's, but again, it's changing. We're even seeing the southeast now with some, some medical yep. bills coming online. We'll see if the governor supported the people support it, right? Overwhelmingly the population supports it, it becomes a political issue. And can you get it passed? You know, mm -hmm. even if you pass a bill, can you get a governor, you know, to not veto it in there? But um, tides obviously shifted. Like it's, it's, it's happening everywhere. And, you know, the truth is most people at least live near a state where they can cross the border and mm -hmm. get it right there. There's yep. very few areas where there's not some place and then tax revenue starts to shift it over in there, but yeah. um, it's becoming more accessible at that level. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we, I do think now that there's been more than a decade of legalization in, in the U S that there is a better pattern for states. We've, we've learned all the wrong things to do. We've learned a couple of right things to do. We're not seeing every state do it right. Um, you do see these, uh, mixtures of like too many licenses of one type or the other coming out that makes it hard. But in general, we've we've kind of learned what dosages to launch with, what product categories to launch with. And we do have established brands um, and genetics. So when a new state comes online, I feel like the uh, the product blend available to a new consumer is more accessible. And if we pair that with education, I think we're setting ourselves up for people having a really good first experience uh, with cannabis should they want to try it. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. That's great. So, what's what's next for for Zoltrin? Where, where are you guys going to be? What's your plan for sort of the next uh, next twelve months? I guess. Where, where do you want to yeah, be sort of our, this time next year? Yeah, our our big thing here. We want to train. You know, everybody in the cannabis workers. We do that by next year. We're good. Um, mm -hmm. You know, yep. we'll, we'll be there. But our our big thing this year is really um, reaching out to retailers. You know, we do have a new offering. We we've we've got the brand stuff. Mm -hmm. We do that really well. Um, that's not going anywhere. But we are you know, really reaching out to these multi-location retailers to say, here's a better way to do training. We can help you scale. We can give you the tooling that we've been using. We can give you some great turnkey content. We can show you the ropes and, and how to build an easy onboarding program and continuous mm -hmm. training program for your employees. That's a big thing for us. Um, I think the 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 East Coast is is really going to be new. For, actually, it's almost the middle and the, and the East, right? You look around like mm -hmm. Arizona, New Mexico, Illinois, um, and then you go Massachusetts has a lot going on right now. And, and, you know, then we're going to see New Jersey and yeah. New York. So mm -hmm. for us, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of new markets. Uh, we do really well in, in California, Colorado, do pretty well in, in states like Oklahoma um, and uh, Nevada right now, but, but we're kind of going into these new states 
mm-hmm. that have got that have gotten established that are now up and running. Uh, we don't want to hit them day one. They've got plenty to do there, just getting their grows going, getting the stores open, and figuring it out. But it's almost like year two of a market is where we want to come in and say, mm-hmm. okay, you've got okay. the basics figured out. Now you need to work on staff retention, scalability, yeah. consistency, um, outperform your competition in there. We've got some great tooling for that. So we're going to be in those That's states. Um, and break as a business, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than yeah. just like, <laughs> oh shit, we need to kind of get with the programs. Like, okay, you got with the program. Now here's how you, you know, no, that's cool. That's really, really cool. And I have to ask about the, um, the Rolling Stone Culture Council. Okay. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, yeah. I think the you know it's, it's really cool. Obviously, like uh, I think I had like a joke post on LinkedIn about this is the closest yeah. I'll ever get to the cover of the Rolling Stone. Closest guitar on my wall. Yeah. Um, so you, you know, I'm a failed yeah. musician, so I had to pick up technology yeah. because uh, I can fix the guitar. I can't play it exceptionally well. I was always kind of the nerd and the engineer there. Okay. I can swap pickups on it, but they let me play bass. I'm a bass player by trade. Okay. So cool, cool. Uh, obviously, Rolling Stone resonates with me through there. But no, Rolling Stone's doing um, a really cool thing um, supporting cannabis. So they've got this thing, the the Culture Council, um, and it. It's, it's a great networking group. It's a great opportunities for like writing guest posts on, on rollingstone.com and, and wow. kind of talking about these things. And they've got it for, you know, arts and music and things you would, you would traditionally think Rolling Stone is associated with. Um, yeah. But I think a year ago or so, they started to put together a cannabis uh, culture council. Um, and there's a lot of great cannabis industry leaders. You know, I'm honored to be, you know, amongst them. Yeah, um, there's great cool. online discussions. It's just a, it's a great networking group. And you're starting to see more and more content on Rolling Stone talking about the cannabis industry. There's been some amazing uh, articles out there, just, um, you know, Rolling Stone helping build awareness, obviously their audience. There's that intersection yeah, of hard yeah, music yeah, yeah. And, and cannabis Absolutely. now. Um, so it's a, it's a great peer group and, and it's a great place for us all just uh, to get together and, and help promote what's going on in the industry and help build some of that awareness and, and people that are interesting. I think it reaches a lot of people that might want to work in the industry and, and start to see it. You know, if, if you're a regular reader of Rolling Stone and then you start to see about these legalization, these efforts and what it takes to get a license and social equity issues. And you're like, Oh, this is something I could participate in. Um, yep. So a lot of that is also just, you know, building awareness externally to this audience about what's happening in the, the cannabis industry. Very cool. Very cool. Excellent. Great stuff. Um, I don't know if I have any other questions, but no, thank you. There's, I mean, there's just been, there's been a lot there. I'm not sure if I even covered my initial questions, but I've certainly had a, you know, it's been great speaking with you and I really appreciate you taking the time to, I mean, it's always an education. Every, every conversation I have with people, there's always something new to learn about the sector, about how it's operating in one part of the world and, you know, being able to compare and contrast with my own experience and other people's experiences. And, you know, it's great. I mean, so there we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm excited to come across the pond and, and get more time in Europe and, and see what's yeah, going on there. You know, we're, we're kind of stuck in our state by state. It feels like we're operating 50 different countries here because we do have different 50 yeah. different sets of legislation. I love it when it happens at a national level, like in Canada, like we're going to see hopefully in Mexico soon and then, you know, take it over yeah. to, to Europe. So next Spanibus, we'll, we'll, we'll see you in, in yeah, Spain. Yeah, definitely. See you there.